I trust that you brought the word with you this morning. I, I want to invite you to use the word today. And uh, if you did not, that's OK. We have uh, sometimes uh, some of the texts or pieces of the text oftentimes is on the screen here behind me. Um, but uh, we're going to Second Corinthians this morning and invite you to turn there. If you have God's word again, go to Second Corinthians and we're going to be looking at chapter eight. And really, the first five verses is where we'll be this morning. And then next Sunday, I think we'll jump into chapter nine. And I think the Sunday after that, we might be in, in chapter 10 there in Second Corinthians. But um, we're just going to uh, try to let the Lord lead us. I mean, that's the idea that we come when we gather like this, that it's not even the pastor that's leading or or, you know, somebody else. It, it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, we really want that. We want the Holy Spirit to be leading us as we look at the word of God and we we are working and we're planning together, you know, to include God, invite God to become a part of our lives. Amen. Um, and, and that's kind of what's driving this theme that we're going to be looking at, you know, making room that we are going to make room for God and not only make room for God in our own lives as individuals, but to make room for God in our church. I mean, that's really on my heart right now. Have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever tried to make more room or extra room or create new space when it seems like there's no space, like maybe in the closet, you know, at home and you're, okay, I got to organize that closet. I, or maybe possibly it's just a drawer or a desk that you have and you think, okay, I've got to, I've got to create some more space. I've got to make some more room because I need more room. And, you know, I, I know what that pressure feels like. My, my wife and I, when we moved to California, the first thing we lived in was an apartment. We rented a, an apartment. And we had just simply one single car garage. It was kind of a deep single car garage, but you had one single car garage and a bunch of you came and showed up and helped unload our moving truck. And, you know, a lot of that stuff, some was put in the apartment, but the apartment was small compared to our 3000 square foot home in Florida. And so we had to pile all that stuff in the garage and we could barely get the door shut. And it wasn't very long, a few months um, went by and we only had one parking space. I mean, parking in San Diego, right? We had like one parking space, but we had two vehicles. And so, you know, one of us is always having to walk, you know, two blocks to get to the apartment after we park. And it wasn't long before my wife said, you know, you need to organize that garage so I can park my car in the garage. I said, honey, there's no space. There's no room. And yeah, you can organize it. You can get no, no there's no room. And so one afternoon on my day off, I called Dave Webb and Dave Webb. He's not here. I don't see him. But uh, Dave Webb is such a servant. He's got a servant's heart. He says, OK, and he's good at stuff like that. And so Dave came over and we drug everything out of that single car garage. And I mean, we just pulled everything out. And so we had to kind of make a space where cars could drive by when the people were leaving the apartment. And so we had to make sure there was an aisle for a car to drive through. And we've dug everything out. And so we begin to, you know, put it back in. We put the hard stuff on the bottom, the soft stuff on top. And, and man, this thing looked like, you know, a masterpiece because we had it covered from ceiling to floor. And we just filled that in and we just kept doing this one layer after another layer. And we had big furniture and boxes and all kinds of awkward shapes and all this. And it was like a great jigsaw puzzle. And we finally got it done. And guess what? My wife could park her car in the garage. And so it was a great lesson on how to really make space when it seemed like there's no space. That's what I want us to do for Jesus. 
I want us to be able to make space for, for, for God in our lives, in our church. And it might mean, you know, reorganizing. It might mean, you know, dealing with our priorities. It might mean even eliminating some things from our lives that you know that does not please God. And that's going to stretch us just a little bit. It's going to stretch us as a church, as a congregation. It's going to stretch us as families, as individuals, as we make room and we make space for God in our lives. I love the spirit that we we capture here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and looking at verses 1 through 5. Um, It seems like it's a stewardship passage, and I guess it is a passage about stewardship, but I think there's something that is deeper there, and that's what I want to capture, is the spirit of the Macedonian church that Paul is alluding to here or talking about. The spirit in which they are responding, and yes, there is this stewardship thing that's going on on the surface, but there is something that is underneath the surface, and is their spirit, and what God has done in them, and how they have been transformed. And I want us to try to understand that as we read these few verses together. Again, chapter 8 there, Second Corinthians, beginning verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonia churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testified that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Now, I, I'm not sure... You know what what the issue was. I'm not sure if, you know, they were short of money or, you know, it alludes to the fact that they were, you know, maybe in poverty or maybe, you know, there was just difficult times that was happening. Maybe they had just come out of a famine or had been through a hurricane or or whatever the case may be. Um, But the fact was things were very, very difficult for them. But something had transformed their hearts. Something had captured their attention to where they were living in anticipation and this hope that there was something that God wanted to do in them and through them. I'm wondering if we have that kind of anticipation. I'm wondering if we, church, have that kind of hope as we talk about our own families, our own spiritual journey, and our, our life, even as a church and a congregation, do we have that kind of excitement, anticipation, that maybe God wants to do something through us? And then verse 4, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. And then I begin to underline right here in verse 5. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then... By the will of God, also to us. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word this morning. I thank you for your anointing upon it. I pray, Father, that you would have your way with us this morning. I ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. And that, Lord, that you would shape us. And maybe even transform us, you know, in the few minutes that we spend together here on Sunday morning. And, and Lord, we're going to come back to this topic. And we're going to just... We're going to just keep at it because, Father, we want to capture the spirit that we we see here in the Macedonian church. And not because we want to be recognized for it or somebody to pat us on the back, but because, Father, we love you. We love you, God. And we want to glorify you. And so, Father in heaven, I pray that your spirit would fall down upon us and that you would transform us this morning somehow. 
And so, Lord, we thank you for Mission Church. We thank you for the work that you're doing. I pray your blessing upon this word. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, tying back to a message from a couple Sundays ago, um, we made the statement that knowing the Son means knowing the Father. And we understand that. So as we know the Father, we not only know the Son, but we know the Father's love and that God is a loving and gracious Father. And we celebrate that. I mean, the fact that God is this gracious father that pours his his spirit out upon us, his his grace upon us. In fact, God's grace goes deeper than any sin and God's grace is wider than any chasm. It is a grace that is boundless in volume and limitless in opportunity. Listen to that phrase. I love that. His grace is boundless in volume and limitless in opportunity. That's the grace of God. Amen. That's the grace of God that is so boundless and wonderful. I mean, that is the whole dynamic that we experience when Jesus comes to us and he enters into this world and is the introduction of a bride and a living hope. When there is a world that is destitute and a world that is dark and a world that seems like there is no hope. It is Jesus Christ that brings hope for everlasting life and hope for all of mankind. And he is the one that brings not only hope, but he makes room in our lives. So that he might be present in our lives and that he might be active in our lives. And I think that's part of the spirit that that, that, that the Macedonia church had captured, that that God was present in their lives and it impacted them. It, it transformed them. And in fact, I call this the hospitality of grace. Say that with me. The hospitality of grace. Because they became, you know, very hospitable and it, and it reveals kind of, you know, their hospitality to the father. And then, of course, there is in that second level or a deeper level that I'll, I'll mention a little bit later. But the, the first thing is that they, they showed hospitality, you know, to, to the father. We see that there in, in verse, uh, verse five. Look at verse five. It begins by saying or reading and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. They give themselves, first of all, to the Lord. I mean, think about that for just a moment. I mean, here is the same kind of hospitality that Jesus, you know, shows to the blind, that Jesus shows to the woman at the well, and he shows to the, the man with the withered hand, and he, he, he brings the hospitality of God to man, to humankind. The hospitality of, of, of the Father who is a Father of love that, that loves us. So we see this spirit in the Macedonian church. So they're showing a hospitality towards God. That's what you're filling in there as far as the blank goes. Number one, they're showing hospitality towards God. Now, if we take time to peel back the layers in, in this passage, kind of like peeling back the, you know, the backing of one of those stickers that you have to put on your license plate. And I don't know why they make that so hard. I mean, some states you can break and peel, but some states it's like impossible getting the back of the sticker off that sticker we got to put on the license plate. You know what I'm talking about? And yet the passage, I don't think it's that difficult. I think that we can peel back some of the layers. And I believe that Paul wants to make it easy for us to recognize that the Macedonia church was transfixed with the gracious reality of God's saving grace. And that there is this abundant appreciation that they had for that boundless grace that God provides and overwhelming emotion and conviction that God was pouring his love down upon them. And they were so full of it. It was a ministry of anticipation they were anticipating that God wanted to work through them I mean look at the passage he wanted they believed that God wanted to work through them this was the eager expectation that dreams the impossible 
and believing that the impossible can be possible. I think we're in the midst of that as a congregation. We're dreaming some impossible things. We're, we're dreaming about great things on our campus and great things in our community for the glory of God. That the impossible can become possible through the power and the ability and the presence of God in our lives. Amen. Have you ever noticed that... Um, that the miraculous oftentimes comes on the hills of sacrifice. Have you ever noticed that? It seems like the more that we sacrifice, the more that we make sacrifice, and the more that we give sacrifice, and the greater the sacrifice, it seems like the miraculous follows on the hills of the sacrifice. So as we're willing to sacrifice, and we sacrifice, and we say, God, here it is, then all of a sudden there is the miraculous that begins to happen, and God begins to do things like we could never dream of. And the impossible starts becoming possible because of God's working through us. Amen. And this happens because we are showing hospitality towards God, so to speak. In fact, that's what the Macedonia church, they're they're showing hospitality towards God. So I I guess I, I need to ask the question. What is the climate of hospitality towards God in your heart? What is the climate of hospitality towards God in your heart? You see, because oftentimes, you know, due to our own decision or maybe frustrating circumstances or sometimes there are things that, you know, push their way into our life or stuff is pushed into our thought and, 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 and it begins to invade our thinking or our agendas. And pretty soon there, there, there's things in this world that is occupying the space that used to be occupied by God. And now all of a sudden, you know, God is no longer in that space. God is no longer a part of that agenda. And God is no longer a part of what, you know, he should be a part of. And and we're not being hospitable towards God or showing hospitality towards the Father. You say, well, well, how do you know this? Well, you know, there are signs, I believe, as I was sitting there thinking in my office, there are signs that show that we're hostile towards the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that we're not a Christian. I'm not saying that we don't believe in God. I'm saying for some of us, for those that that believe in God, and I believe that you believe in God because you're here this morning, and that we're believers and we love Jesus, but sometimes we can come to a place or get in a place where we are hostile towards the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, what are you saying, Pastor? So I thought about this, and I didn't read this. I just prayed, and the Holy Spirit kind of laid these things on my heart, these signs that we're being hostile towards the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit, you know, taps us on the shoulder. And I want to share a few of these signs with you. Uh, Here's the first one that I believe the Lord laid on my heart. There's one sign that we're hostile towards the Holy Spirit is we become irritable when we are reminded of the persistent sin that is in our lives. I mean, don't tell me about it. Don't mention it to me. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want anybody to preach about it. I, I, you know, I just don't want to deal with it. And so we kind of become irritable because, you know, now it's being mentioned. And that is a sign that maybe there is something that the Lord is trying to speak to us about. And the Holy Spirit is trying to convict us of, but yet we're resistant. That's one of the signs. Here's another sign that we're hostile towards the Holy Spirit. We choose to make a cause, and I'm meddling now, bear with me, wait till the end of the message, right? We choose to make a cause or causes our faith 
rather than deep convicting relationship with Jesus and authentic worship, confession and accountability. We get all motivated about, you know, this idea or this cause that's happening. And yet we're stepping outside of this conviction and confession and worship and what really connects us with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we find ourselves maybe a little off center and we are reminded that we need to make space for God. So there might be relationship. There might be confession. There might be accountability. Just one of the signs. Another sign that maybe we're hostile toward the Holy Spirit is we put our personal desires first instead of spiritual convictions. Why? Because I want that. Because that's what I want. You know, that's what I that's what I'm desiring. And so we put our personal desires before the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm meddling. I understand. Here's another one. Another sign that that we're hostile towards the Holy Spirit. The agendas of this world always trumps faithfulness. The agendas of this world. And so, oh, it's just culture. It's just the way things are, Pastor. And, and so all of a sudden we, we have these other things that are really, you know, becoming the focus rather than, you know, what needs to be the focus, which is, of course, Jesus Christ. And here's the last one. Another sign that we're hostile towards the Holy Spirit is we seek the counsel. Listen to this. We seek the counsel of like-minded people instead of listening to our convictions. Because we want to feel good. You want, we want to be okay. And so we seek the counsel of like-minded people rather than listening to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about. You see, making room to be hospital towards God, it may mean slowing down and reprioritizing our lives. It may mean, you know, okay, I need to reorganize. I need to think about my agenda and make my schedule different. I need to make space for God. And I need to maybe eliminate this because it does not belong. It does not glorify God so that there is space that I I have for God in my life. It might mean being quiet enough that we can hear the voice of God when God is whispering. So we're quiet enough to hear his voice. It might be that we sit down with the word of God long enough that it becomes our compass. And I'm not saying the word, the scripture is God. I mean, only God is God, but he uses the scripture. He speaks through the word. That is his voice for us. And and we sit down long enough with the word of God that it becomes our compass. You see, maybe that's what it means. How we understand when the Macedonians gave themselves first of all to the Lord. That's verse 5. They give themselves first of all to the Lord. And then look at the second half of verse 5. Look at the second half of verse 5 real quick. You see, that now they show hospitality towards others. They show hospitality towards others. And there's two things here that Paul notes. First, his great... Um, respect for the Macedonian church. I mean, he has just tremendous respect for them. He's honoring their spirit and which they are serving the Lord, anxious to do that. Uh, but also, second, he's noting their desire to bless others. <laughs> you know, showing hospitality towards others. Their desire to, to bless others. And I think of Genesis chapter 12. And remember there in chapter 12, looking at verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. This is the promise of God to Abram. I will bless you and then you will be a blessing and you can bless others and you will be blessed so that you can bless others. And I'm thinking about Mission Church. I'm thinking about my own life. 
The fact that God pours his blessing out upon us so that not that we can hold it in and make it our own, that we might bless others, that we might bless the community around us and and that we might embrace what we're reflecting on in in, in one video. We're going to look at in just a moment by Reggie McNeil when he talks about, you know, making a shift from being church centric to being kingdom centric. And, you know, that was kind of a shift for me, thinking about what's it mean to be church-centric versus being, you know, kingdom-centric, which, you know, the idea helps us with the evolving awareness that, that the living God, the God that we worship, our creator, and how he works and that he wants to work through us and making connections through us with the community around us, and that it is not just only about the church. There's something that is bigger, something that is more exciting that is happening in the world in regards to who God is and what God is doing that deals with his kingdom. And not just the local church, but the kingdom of God and how we show hospitality through others. And in that hospitality, God is connecting to others. I was blown away when we had a pastor by the name of Carter Moss come and speak to my staff a few weeks ago. And he he said this, he said, I think, and then he changed. I know that God wants to connect to people in your community. This mission, this being our community, God wants to connect to people in our community, but he wants to make those connections through you. He wants to make those connections through the soccer mom and the rest of the team, perhaps. He wants to make those connections through the fire department down the street and how we minister to them. He wants to make the connections as we minister to the elementary school up on the hill as we're gathering, you know, things together to give to them. And we start connecting with our community and it becomes a movement that is a kingdom movement, not just a church centric type of focus. I think one of the hardest things to get myself to do is to invest time in something outside of my routine. Can anybody else relate to that? I'm I'm calling this making room for God. I'm calling this making time space. Making time space so so that I can connect to people outside of, you know, my circle of influence right here and that I can connect to our community. And I don't know if that's going to mean that I'm going to go up and, you know, paint a classroom at the school or whether it's going to be that I'm I'm going to spend some time on a street corner, you know, handing out water bottles with the label of our church on it. I don't know what it means. But I know this to be, you know, kingdom centric. It is transformative and it will mobilize us to be the church that God has called us to be. I, I was blessed the other day. I called a pastor, Jeff, uh, Jeff Amenas, our, our young adult pastor. And I was calling him to talk about a message I was preaching. I wanted a young person's take. And so we were talking back and forth. And and uh, and I said, by the way, Jeff, where are you at? Get this. Where are you at? He says, well, the young adults are helping the flood church on a cleanup day. Really? You're, you're what? 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 Did you say church? He said, yeah. Ch- which church? Not mission church? The flood ch- You're helping another church on cleanup day? He said, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. That's Reggie McNeil. And uh, I guess the challenge that that begs from us is uh, what are we going to do? I mean, it, w- it would be great if several voices came to me and said, Pastor, let's do this. Pastor, let's do this. Let's, let's impact our community this way. Let's, let's make a difference. You know, 20 years, 
I mentioned this a few weeks ago. 20 years, um, society decided that the church was no longer relevant. And in fact, today, all you have to do is listen to the media. Now, society says that the church is hostile. You have to process that. Several mayors were asked, which would you rather have, a new Denny's come to town or a new church? Every mayor answered a new Denny's. Because society thinks that the church is about wanting money or wanting converts. We have to change that. We have to give with nothing in return, expecting nothing in return. Serve because we love God, not because we get something out of it. Be Jesus because that's what God has called us to be. Let's mobilize our church. Amen. It'd be great. What is the Lord stirring in your heart? How's he going to use you? How's he going to use us? Let's do it. Let's do it together. I've cut Kelly off. She was going to take the offering, but I'm going to go ahead and invite the the ushers to come forward. We're going to take a regular morning tithes and offerings. And by the way, the offering, listen, I I want us to begin to think kingdom thoughts here. This offering is not about and for this church. This is for the kingdom. So as you give your gifts and you're very sacrificial, you're giving to the kingdom, the work of what God is doing in his kingdom. And we want to glorify him. Let's remember that as we give.